When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Welcome to the NBA Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. Ding, ding. How about we can just watch basketball? I like that idea. Hello and welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. This is the Daily Ding. It's your Eurobasket Final Eight update. I'm Dave DeFord, joined by my good friend Christian Pelotier, the voice of EuroLeague, Eurobasket. Basically, if you're in Finland and you're watching basketball, Christian Pelotier is probably talking to you. What's up, buddy? I appreciate the intro. That was uh, pretty accurate as well. So uh, I'm good. Uh, and it's a pleasure to be uh, joining you here. And obviously, uh, the, Daily, the Daily Ding is one of the uh, one of the podcasts that's automatically uh, in the playlist every morning. So, Yeah, well, it's been a while since you and I have had a chance to catch up. And sure. um, it's funny because it's been a few years since we've, we've spoken on a oh. podcast at least. Yeah. And in the last few years, there's been a, a shift in the NBA where you have like three of the top five, you could say four of the top six, maybe players in the league that are, that are euros international players. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, Luca, Giannis, Jokic, Embiid. I mean, th- this is, this is a massive shift. And it's one that you actually saw coming a few years ago when we were talking, of course, we thought Larry Markinen might be one of those guys maybe, but um, you know, uh, how is that as a, as a, you know, a guy who coaches there, you cover the league there and you cover the NBA. Like, what has it been like to watch that process? Obviously, uh, you know, this is, this is because of the people that, that made it possible. The, the stars of, of, you know, yesteryear, uh, whether it was, you know, uh, Tony Parker, Pau Gasol, Dirk Nowitzki, uh, you know, 15, 15 to 20 years ago, uh, when they came up, uh, you know, those were the golden breed or the golden generation of Europe, but these guys have taken it to another level. And obviously, uh, Dirk and Powell and, and uh, Parker existed because of Petrovic and, and Nikos Gallis and Marcellonis and Sabonis and guys like that. But um, it's pretty incredible that all these guys have shown up and reached this level um, so close to one another in terms of, uh, you know, the past few years, they've all of a sudden made this jump. Um, it's it's a testament to how Europeans have caught up in terms of uh, understanding the game in the past 30 years, uh, getting it more and more popular, and then also understanding the fact that their um, player development system in many cases is probably superior to the U.S. in terms that they don't rush their guys as much, especially the big guys. I would still argue that the U.S. does a better job of, of um, developing their guards than Europe does, and that's why a lot of the Eurobasket teams have decided to bring a bring an American to, uh, you know, hey, why don't you become a Croatian and, and here's a passport, come play. But uh, in terms of the other positions, it feel especially the big positions, kind of positions four or five, 
Uh, Europe has done a really good job in terms of player development and not rushing these guys where AAU, it's, it's, you need instant gratification, uh, instant success, and it's more important for the team to win than to develop guys. Obviously, that's a really rough uh, or a broad kind of a categorization of AAU basketball. There are good, good programs as well, but the ones that are, uh, you know, sponsored by Nike and Adidas and stuff like that, it's usually not the case, unfortunately. And big guys develop later and, and thankfully Europeans understand that. But at the same time, there's not like one team that you feel like, hey, that's a real threat to the U.S. the way the Spanish team was uh, mid to or the first 10 years of the of the 20th, 21st century. So uh, I guess you could also say that the U.S. has done its, its job in terms of player development and creating a lot of really good players. But this is kind of unprecedented. Well, the U.S. is, I mean, it's it's a huge country, so there's a bit of a built-in advantage there. And, and I, I will say, it's a good point that you're making. The, the talent in Europe is spread out throughout Europe, and I think it's one of the reasons why this Eurobasket has been so compelling. I mean, there's so many NBA players, but also there's a lot of guys that probably could have played in the NBA that just haven't come over. And, and I, I want to jump right into the tournament because if you watch group play like I did, you probably thought, even though they were in a bit of a cupcake group, that Serbia was the best team at Eurobasket. They looked fantastic in group play, and then they get upset by Italy. Uh, what in the hell happened there? Looking back, uh, World Cup qualifiers, uh, which you know got, were played uh, during the summer. Uh, one window was with a lot of NBA players already in June, and uh, then the second window right before this Eurobasket tournament. And um, Serbia already last summer kind of showed their flaws when they lost to Italy in the Olympic qualifiers in Belgrade in the final. And, uh, you know, they lost to Belgium twice in the World Cup qualifiers. All right. Jokic wasn't there. I, I mean, I get it. But uh, to me, Serbia has still one really big issue, and that's perimeter defense. And uh, Italy is built to, to punish a team like that. To me, I still had... Uh, Serbia to win the game slightly, but I could see four out of 10 scenarios where, where Italy would win. And they had a good game. They were able to spread the floor. I didn't, ima- didn't imagine that Jokic would play under 30 minutes. Svetislav Pesic is one of the most legendary coaches in, on the planet. I, I don't want to you know, say anything too bad about him, but in, in terms of uh, <laughs> maximizing what Jokic brings to the floor uh, and how he can help his team win, that was probably not the ideal uh, game plan to play him so little. But uh, Italy is a tough matchup for, for Serbia. I'm not saying Italy is perfect because now they meet France, who have terrific perimeter defenders. I don't know if France can score. That's another problem we'll, we'll get to in a second. But uh, if there was one team that was probably a really big issue for Serbia, uh, even with less talent, it was Italy. Uh, but to me, the better best two teams have been um, Greece, even though they were horrible in the against the Czech Republic, and Germany, even though they... I don't understand how Montenegro got into that game with a 2-3 zone, but uh, to me, those have been the two best teams, even though Slovenia did beat Germany, and then kind of the Tier 2 teams have been uh, Slovenia and Serbia. But Serbia got upset by Italy, and, and the tournament goes on. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. 
you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, um, I guess let's move on to Lowry Markkinen, who has had a fantastic <laughs> Eurobasket, man. I mean, he had a 43-point game. Um, this is something that you and I have talked about a little bit previously with regards to his game it, it it's not necessarily suited for the NBA because you can't just put the ball in his hands there he doesn't have the talent for that level but it is nice to know that maybe he could be a tertiary or or even a third option with the ball in his hands to to a greater degree than what we've seen out of him I mean do you think that there's some carryover here for him leaving this euro basket with some what should be you know high level of confidence and going into next season into a tanking situation in Utah He's going to have opportunities. You think he might find a chance to to really kind of right his career and, and straighten the ship out? I hope NBA teams realize that having a really ball-dominant point guard or a, you know, the first four years he was, he was with Zach Levine in an organization that was rebuilding, had three coaches in those four years, and Levine, who's become a much better passer, is still not the guy to set up his teammates uh, other than, you know, one, once he's created an advantage, it's, it's not like he's going to put the ball into a position where, hey, you go. Um, you have a slight advantage with a flare screen or something like that, uh, that he can kind of see those situations play out. He's a player that's going to beat his own guy and then try to make the right play. Um, Darius Garland, a absolutely one of my favorite players in the league, really, really high level point guard and, and fantastic at passing in, into the interior office drives, whether it's a lob, whether it's a drop pass or whatever. He's really good at that. He's not the best passer on the perimeter uh, or passing out uh, off of a drive. Um, if Markkanen is a, or Markkanen, I should pronounce him correctly, if he's in a situation where, uh, where he's not with a ball dominant point guard, and um, I'm thinking kind of Boston is built that way. Golden State might be difficult because you need to be make such quick decisions off, on the ball and off the ball. Uh, that would probably uh, take a while for him to kind of adjust to that. Uh, Toronto is kind of trying to reinvent basketball in a lot of ways. Um, I think there are situations like that where he could be really, really valuable on a high-level team, actually. And um, But he needs to kind of find his spots and he needs to be utilized correctly what Finland is doing. But on the other hand, there are so many good high level uh, heliocentric guards in the NBA that uh, is it worth changing that to bring a guy who on a high level kind of conference finals level team, he could maybe be the second option, but more likely the third option. Uh, I don't know, uh, but I hope uh, some NBA team with the correct kind of outlook says that, hey, maybe we could use something like that and uh, hopefully bring him bring him over uh, for you know a first-round pick or something. And just so we're clear, I hope he doesn't finish the season in Utah because they're tanking. He's 25. He's already been in, in a rebuilding position. Let's not do this again. Let's talk a little bit about some of the other NBA guys. I mean, we've watched Luka do ridiculous stuff. I mean, that shot that he hit over Gobert, I mean, multiple shots, but that one floater, he's, you know, he's running down the left baseline. Giannis has been, yeah, Giannis has been incredible. So who do you think has been the best player in the tournament so far? So I think there are three options. Uh, we've named all three of them. So uh, Luca, Giannis, and Markkanen. And uh, to me, uh, you know, uh, Markkanen had the best uh, 
you know, round of 16 game, no question. Um, he had a fantastic uh, group stage as well, excluding maybe the game against Serbia. Uh, but to me, Luca has defeated the, t- the toughest opponents uh, because he played in Group B. So he defeated uh, his Slovenian team defeated Germany. Um, they beat Lithuania. And obviously they beat France. And Luca was actually really bad in those first three games. But the second, uh, second two games uh, in that really difficult group and getting Slovenia to to first place in that group B, I think that has to weigh in Luca's advantage a little bit. So to me right now, the order would be Luca, uh, Markkanen, Giannis, and Giannis partially because he did not have a good game against the Czech Republic. He really struggled against their uh, triple walling that they tried to do against him, which was uh, looked a little silly on occasion. Uh, finally, at the end, he did hit th- uh, two threes and he made better uh, better reads off of the, off of the early pass situations, and he fed his teammates a little earlier, so that was good. But to me, uh, he did not have nearly the impact on the game that Markkanen had against Croatia, so that's why I have him second. But you know, it's a small sample size; it's six games so far. So uh, one good game from Giannis and a lesser game from Markkanen against Spain. So uh, those are the top three guys, anyway. So we're down to the final eight. Who's the best remaining team? And not necessarily who's going to win, but who is the best remaining team? Who should win? I think the two best teams actually uh, are going to face each other. Uh, even though I, uh, I wasn't impressed with how Greece and Germany played in the round of 16, I think those two teams are the best um, at Eurobasket. And I think even in the NBA these, this past season in, the, in conference finals and finals matchups, the teams that actually... Uh, go the furthest in the tournament setting are the teams that defend the best. And to me, those are the two best defensive teams in the, uh, in the competition. Spain is kind of my sleeper because they, on paper, this is their worst, worst roster they've had since, I don't know, 2004, maybe 2002. Um, but uh, I'd be shocked if, if they went all the way to me, the two best teams are Greece and Germany. And probably after that, our, our Slovenia uh, are the most likely candidate to win. But Italy and France have a chance as well. But to me, uh, Italy does have some holes in their game. Um, Melli is a good defender against a guy like Jokic. Still, Jokic does what he does. But against Rudy Gobert being kind of a role defender, that's not probably his, his thing. When you get Italy playing in a half-court setting and, and really guard the perimeter well, I don't think they have enough weapons to go all the way. They may be France. I don't see them beating Slovenia. I don't see them beating Greece. So Slovenia is going to win is what you're saying. It's very possible. I'd still go with, uh, I picked Greece before, before the tournament. I'd be them beating Germany in the final, but Germany ended up second in the group after barely losing to Slovenia. So now they're, now they face in the, uh, in the quarterfinals. Uh, I'd go with Greece. Uh, Slovenia would be kind of my second pick uh, or finals pick to go against them at this point. Well, the quarterfinals kick off on Tuesday, the 13th of September. So if you listen to this, the games might be live right now. Go and check them out. Christian Pelotier, thank you very much for coming on and, and breaking down what's left of Eurobasket. And hopefully we can find some more excuses to talk European basketball and I can get back to my roots. Let's do it. Thank you so much, Dave. For Christian, I'm Dave DeFore. Thanks for listening to The Daily Ding on The Athletic NBA Show.